Good morning. Well, um, today is not, the message really isn't about Mother's Day. Uh, I'm sorry, don't throw anything at me. Don't, Don't throw anything at me. But I can say this, like, if there is a message in this series that really embodies like a mom's heart, this would kind of be the message. <laughs> I don't know if I'm stretching that, but no, 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 I think it's true. I think it's true. Oh, you tell me after the message if that's true, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's true. So, um, and part of the reason why we're going to still go on First Peter is we have momentum. You know, just imagine this train, it's moving, and don't really want to stop the train, to talk about something else, uh, we're going through First Peter, so let's really, let's really go. Now, um, during this first part, I want to give you a review, because I think if I build up the context, you're going to understand what's coming your way this morning and, and why it's coming your way. And so here's a little bit of the, uh, the review of the first chapter and a half. So if you recall... The Apostle Peter is writing this letter to a community that's suffering. If you remember a picture from um, four weeks ago, you would remember, well, the Christians were being used by Emperor Nero as human torches to light up his garden parties. So when when Peter wrote this letter, it wasn't happening just yet, but he could kind of tell that the storm was coming. So he's preparing this community that's going through suffering, but it's going to go through more suffering. And there's been a fair amount of people in our church who have gone through a really hard time. And so we thought, First Peter is perfect. Now, the first thing, if you remember, coming out the gate in chapter 1, the Apostle Paul wanted the whole community to know that their best life is not now, but it's later. And so remember, he used words like living hope and an inheritance that you can look forward to, but your best days are not now. Because of what Jesus did, you have so much to look forward to. That was the first thing he said. Now, the second thing he said was that he was explaining why you're going through all the suffering. And I'm paraphrasing here, but here's Peter saying, I I want to explain why you're going through all this pain and suffering. It's because your faith is being purified. It's like you take um, some some gold that was, was unearthed from the ground, you stick it in the furnace, and it burns off all the impurities. That's what's happening to you now. All right. And now, the third thing that Peter says, and again, I'm, I'm speaking in gross generalities, but hopefully you can understand why. Last week, uh, Pastor Aaron came, and so Peter is like, now here's what I want you all to do. Two words, be holy. Be holy because God's holy. Be holy because of the incredible grace that Jesus won for us. Okay. Now, you just imagine Peter. He's thinking about this community that's in pain. He wants to encourage them. He really wants to strengthen them. He wants them to stand firm. The question is, what do you think is the fourth thing that Peter would find worthy of talking about? 
And I just imagine Peter going, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I know what this community needs. I know just what they need to be strong. I know just what they need to stand firm. 1 Peter 10 through 12. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was about to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. 1 Peter 1.22-2.3 Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed but of imperishable the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice, and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Oshay, I want you to imagine the Apostle Peter, and he's thinking about this community that is in pain, and he's thinking, okay, I want to cover the foundations. I want to cover the foundations. I want them to know that their best life is later. I want them to know that the reason why they're going through suffering is to purify their faith. I want them to, to, to be holy during this time. And here's the fourth installment. I, want the, I know what's going to be really, really good for them. I want them to grow in God's word. I know what they need. I really care about these people. I want them to grow in God's word. Now, this is where I'm saying this is kind of like from a mother's heart or a pastor's heart. You know, I love you guys. I want you to grow. I want you to be strong. What do you need? What do you need more than anything? You need, we need God's word to be strong. So, I got four points. They come straight from the scripture that are all about God's word. In fact, all these points start off with God's word is something. Okay? Now, with the first passage that Christine read, the first point is that God's word is of great value. God's word is of great value. Let me hear you guys say value. Now, if you look in this passage, I'm going to summarize it, but um, Peter doesn't come right out and say, hey, guys, God's word is of great value. He doesn't say that. What he chooses to do is he's going to illustrate it. But after he illustrates it, it has the same effect, which is God's word is of great value. It's of great value. Now, now pay attention to how he illustrates it. He uses three groups of persons, uh, three groups of beings. The first group that he talks about are prophets. Now, these are people who have written um, the, the words of the Old Testament thousands of years ago. And they were prophesying about the sufferings of Jesus. But catch this. At that point, Jesus had not entered into history. So they were not prophesying for themselves or for their generation. They were prophesying for who? For us. 
and they did it totally selflessly. You see that in the text. What's the second group of people? It's the apostles. They were inspired by the Spirit of God, and they were sharing with all those around them the things that they actually saw. They saw Jesus. They heard his teaching. They saw him die. They saw him come back to life. It was this incredible news, and they had to get it out, and they were inspired by the Holy Spirit, and they got it out at the cost of their lives. Wow. Now, there's a third group of beings. Now, if you look in the text, it's not a group that you would think that the Apostle Peter would mention. What's the third group? Angels. I thought that was so bizarre that I named the whole message after what angels long to look into. Right? You wouldn't think that he would mention that, but there he goes. So here are angels. Now you imagine, like, if you could have an interview with an angel, it would, it would be amazing, right? We are very interested in angels, and maybe part of us wonders what are angels interested in. What they're interested in is what's in this book, the message and the person and the story of what's in this book. And so here you got prophets who are prophesying selflessly, and you have apostles who died to get the message in this book out. And now you have angels and everything in them is longing to to read and to hear more about what's in this book. And so you imagine Peter going, do you know what you have in this book? Do you value what you have in this book? And it's crazy because we live in a time and a culture and a place where we have this book and it's so accessible But like here in the Bay Area, people don't really care that much what's in this book. Now, I was experiencing this firsthand uh, just a couple weeks ago, and I was um, in the car driving my son to school. And I was just having a conversation with him about a conversation that I had with my barber, and it just happened the other day. Ryan's in the back. I'm saying, Ryan... I had this crazy conversation with my barber. He was cutting my hair. I told him I'm a pastor. And we just started talking about church. I said, have you ever been to church? He's like, yeah, I go a few times in the year. I go, well, that's cool. What do you think about it? He goes, I don't know. I go, what do you think about the message? I'm a pastor. I'm worried about the message, right? What do you think about the message? He goes, "Yeah, yeah, I don't know. And then I go, would you like me to explain the message to you? I did say that. Like, would you like me to explain the core message of the Bible to you? Now, Ryan's in the back seat. I'm telling him the story. I'm like, you're not going to believe the story. I, I, you know, like pregnant pause. My son's like, yeah, what did he say? I said, well, he said, eh, I'm not really into it. No, thank you. And I was, I was so I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed. I'm like, man, I'm really excited about the story of God that's in this book. You know, people have paid for their lives to get it out there. I just really, I want to, I actually am really happy to tell. And he didn't want to hear it. So I'm telling this story to my son, Ryan. And then Ryan in the back goes, Dad, did you say that you said this to your barber? I said, yeah, I said this to my barber. Your barber? Yeah, barber. 
You know, Barber, um, in the game Clash Royale, there's uh, this, this one class of card called Elite Barbarians, and you know what I call them? Elite Barber. And I want a Dark Prince, and Nathan has a Dark Prince, but I wanted the Elite Barber. But then, you know what I really want? I want the Miner from Clash Royale. I want the Miner. I'm sitting here talking to my son about how the Barber didn't want to hear the story, and my son doesn't want to hear the story. I'm like, the irony, this is crazy. It's happening right here in my car. It's happening right now. <laughs> and so you know what I did? I said, minor? He said, minor. You want a minor card? He said, minor card. You know what a miner does? What does a miner do? He said, a miner unearths all this dirt, and they're looking for the gold. If you took the Bible <laughs> and you looked deep inside for the gold, you know what you would find? The story of Jesus Christ called the gospel. Yeah. Those are the conversations that I have in my car with my son. <laughs> Prophets prophesied selflessly. The apostles paid for their very lives to get this word out. Angels themselves are dying, longing to hear the message and the story. And we have it right here. Do you know what you have in this book? Are you excited about it? Do you love to talk about it? When you're like riding in the car on the way to church or after church, are you talking about the person and the story that's in this book? Do you love to talk about it? Maybe you're, you're totally new to the Bible. Do you realize what we have here? Do you want a copy? Do you want to go home and read it? Imagine Peter's like, do you understand how valuable, you know, the blood that was spilt to give us what we have access to? Okay, so point number one is the word of God is of great value. Point number two, um, starting in verse 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Okay, now let me just explain this really quickly. Uh, purified your souls, there's a theme of purification by your obedience to the truth. He's talking about obedience for for a sincere brotherly love. So what's all the obedience and the purification for? It's for a sincere brotherly love. Now, Peter is wanting to emphasize the last point, it's for a sincere brotherly love. And we know this because he sort of double, double downs on it. He mentions it again. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. What's all this for? Why are we being obedient? What's the purpose? Peter's like, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. All right, now let's think about this. Peter is talking about obedience, but it's all leading towards the purpose of love. He doubles down on love. And then he starts talking about seed and imperishable and being born again. And then he uses this illustration, and maybe you guys are feeling a little bit confused. Like, how does all this relate to one another? You got the love, you got the seed, you got the word of God. And he kind of, it's kind of abrupt. Like, he's talking about love. You're like, oh, he's talking about love. And then suddenly he starts talking about the word of God, and he throws in this illustration. Are you a little bit confused? 
I'm convinced that if I explain the illustration to you, it's going to make more sense and it's all going to wrap together. Now, this is how I'd like to explain it. Uh, Bruce, can you show the picture? What I'm about to show you right here, this kid may very well be the cutest kid I've ever seen. Have you seen this kid whose head is being used as a tabletop right now? Can you show the, the next one? There he is. That's my son. No, no, that's not my son. <laughs> uh, that is Elias Wen. He's a member of my home group. He is the son of Andrew and Amabel Wen. He well may be the cutest kid I have ever seen. Maybe, maybe. I know there's some contenders. There's some contenders, definitely. My, my wife loves that. She looks at that baby, and she has, like, baby envy, you know? It's funny because uh, I've never seen my wife so aggressive than when you put her in the same room with this kid. She will it would make a beeline, go straight to the kid, pick him up and squeeze him and rub her cheek all over his cheek and like, oh, right? And it's, it's, it's a little bit scary, actually, to see Raina like that, but I can't imagine what it like for Elias. Now, I had a suspicion that Elias was scared of her, but then it was confirmed when one day at home group, Elias saw Raina, Raina's like, come. And then Elias was like running the other way, like running for his life, right? And I'm like, yeah, you're pretty scary. You need to tone it down. One time, Raina points at Elias and comes to me and says, you know something? I want number four. And I was like, Raina, um, look, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of work. You remember those days, the diapers, the first two years? It was great. No, she goes, no, don't understand. No, no, no. I don't want a kid. She's like, I want that kid. I'm like, okay, well, then that's kidnapping. That's a lot more manageable, actually. Let's do that. Let's do that. That's a good idea. Now, now here, here is Peter. Now, I, I was saying we got, we got the love. We got the, we got the obedience. We got the imperishable seed. We got the word of God. He's talking about the word of God somewhat abruptly. Let me try to put it together through this illustration. Do you see that kid? Beautiful kid. Peter is like, that kid stands for, represents a life of love. Not just love, but sincere, genuine love. Have you ever met someone and their lives are so beautiful because they've just been pouring themselves out loving other people? Like I, 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 I did a funeral for Sharon and so many people wanted to share and there's so many stories of her incredible life. And it made me feel like, I want to live a life like that. You know why? She was pouring out her life for so many people. So many lives were touched. Now, you look at a life like that. It's like looking at a baby like that. Like, I want that baby. I want that life. I want to be like that. And you imagine Peter going, you want to be like that? I don't want to be like that. How do you be like that? How can I have a life like that? Like that? And here's the apostle Peter using an illustration. Well, it's kind of like a woman um, having a child like that, but the woman is going to need some things, right? Now, I'm no expert on this. I saw a documentary. I've given the talk several times, but a, a woman would need a, a husband. Specifically, they would need Andrew Wen, but we're not going there, but they would need a husband, right? And what do you need from the husband? Now, I'm not trying to be crass, Okay? I can't be crass. This is not me trying to be crass. This is just me exegeting the word of God faithfully. What does 
a wife need from her husband? She needs his seed. What is that? It, the, you know, the, it, sperm, it's semen. She, right? Now, according to all this, what is the seed? What is the imperishable seed that produces a life of love? What is it? It is the word of God. Peter is saying, look, you need this inside your heart, inside your mind. You need the word of God. It's like seed. It's going somewhere. If your mind and your heart is invested in this word, it is going, it is producing something. And if you're obedient to that word, it is going to produce an incredible life of love. Don't you want that? I want that. Do you want? Yeah, well, you need the word of God. It's imperishable seed. Now, I'm asking you, is your mind and your heart invested in God's word? Because if you want that incredible life of love, then you need the word of God inside you. And that word of God, when you couple it with obedience, it's going somewhere. It's producing something. And it's an amazing, beautiful life of love for other people. But you need this. All right. Um, those are the first two points. The word of God is of great value. The word of God is imperishable seed. Okay, let's do point number three and point number four. Now, if you look in verse 23, you see that Peter chooses two adjectives to describe the word of God. Now, what I've done, let's not show it yet. What I've done is I've just choose, chosen those two adjectives, and I've made those two adjectives point number three and point number four, just to make it simple. But let me just ask you, before you look at the scripture and before you look at the screen, if you were to choose two adjectives to describe what the Bible means to you, what would those two adjectives be? Well, the way that you approach the Bible. If you think back on how you treated the Bible last week and those two adjectives that described your mindset towards the Bible, what would those two words be? Now, for Peter, as he was describing the Word of God, these are his two adjectives, and I told you these are point number three and point number four. The Word of God is living. Interesting. All words to choose to describe the Bible. Peter's like, number one, it's living. The word of God is living. Now, I, I want us to think about this for a little bit. Go a little deeper, if you will. Here I have the word of God. Peter's like, let me find a word to describe this. It's living. This book is alive. This book is life-giving, and it's alive, okay? Now, just by way of contrast, this is another book that I pulled from my shelf. Fresh Off the Boat, written by Eddie Huang. Yes, this is what pastors read in their spare time. Okay, now, here's just a book. It's just written by a guy, right? And here's a book that's written by God, and this book is alive and it's living, which means that this book, and we got plenty of books like this on our shelf, is what? If this is alive, then this is dead right? This book is alive. This book is dead. This is written by Eddie Huang. Nothing against Eddie Huang. Okay, now here's my question. If you're reading a dead book, how do you read it? Well, you, you, you just pick it up and read it. 
You don't need to take a class to read a dead book. You, you just pick it up and you read it, right? Okay, so if the way that you read a dead book is you just pick it up and read it, then it serves to ask the question, how do you read a book that's alive? And my best answer would be, well, you would, you would read it different. You would read, it, you would read this different from this. Am I right? Are we all in agreement? Okay, well, if I just pick this up and read it, then I probably am not just going to pick this book and just read it. So how should I read it? I'm just going to give you one tip. For this point, one tip. This book is alive, so the way that you read it, like it's alive, well, uh, you, you pray. Before you read this book, do you pray? And when you do pray, it would probably be like, God, it took your Holy Spirit to write this, it's going to take your Holy Spirit for me to understand this. You pray before, you pray during, you pray after. Uh, Lord God, this book was written supernaturally. I'm going to need supernatural help in order to understand it. And then when you read it, you lean, you, you, you're in your spirit, you're leaning into God because you're expecting that he's going to speak to you because this book is alive. Right? Do you do that? Or you just read it like a dead book? The person of this book is walking through the pages of this book, and when you read about him, you are communing with him because it's all about him. You're growing up in him. You're talking to him, and he's talking back to you through the pages of this book. So the word of God is living. What's the second adjective? Peter says, You've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and, what's the next word? Abiding. Through the living and abiding word of God. Now, what does abiding mean? Well, uh, Peter sort of uses an illustration from the Old Testament to describe what he means by abiding. So all I have to do is really just read on. But so, so Peter now uses some Old Testament imagery. I believe it comes from Isaiah 40. And he's saying that all people are like grass. And their accomplishments, their glories, the things that they get applauded about, the things that they relish. You know what they're like? They're like flowers of the field. And it's beautiful, you know, for a while. But then with time, all the grass withers. And all those flowers that at one time were so glorious, they just pop off and they die. But there's one thing, one thing that will last forever. And that is the Word of God. That is what's in this book. And the person in this book. Now, Peter gives an illustration that's just, in nature, it's, it's epic. It's huge. But let me ask you, if this is true on a very grand scale, would it be equally true on a personal scale, like on Monday? Like on Monday morning, a lot of us are going to go to work, and you will see people who are like grass, and then you're going to go into your office maybe, and there's deadlines, and there's projects, and there's a boss that you're trying to please, and maybe there's a promotion, or maybe you're trying to beat out all the young guys, you know? 
Now, all that, according to 1 Peter, all that is going to wither away. The flowers are all going to fall. But is the word of God to you on Monday going to be giving you life and joy and keep you focused and keep your perspective right all day long? Or are you kind of like me and in the morning you read something in the scripture and then you sort of forget about it all day, you know? Or you go to a Bible study and you're studying the word of God, but then for the rest of the day and the rest of the week, you just forget everything that you read. You know, I was looking at abiding, and there's a lot of definitions for abiding, but the one that I like the most is staying power. Does the word of God have staying power in your life? Do you read it in a way where it has staying power? Uh, right now, real quick, I just want to um, share an illustration. I think I'm hoping that's going to give you more tools and just kind of a better understanding of how to read the Bible in an abiding way. Can I have you guys just stand up for a second? Okay, what I'd like you to do um, is to grab a Bible next to you. Some of you have your Bible on your iPhones. Uh, some of you, you can grab a Bible right in the, in the back of the pew. Okay, this illustration actually works better if you have a heavy Bible. Does anyone have a heavy Bible? Okay. Yeah, the one in the pew is probably the heaviest. Okay. All right. Now, here's what I want you to do. Um, uh, so what I want you to do is to, uh, put the Bible, like maybe you can put it down or you can put, you can put it in your armpit like that. That'll work too. Okay. What I want you to do is I want you to show me your hand. Again, for some, many of you, this will be review, um, but it's good review. It's really good stuff. Okay. Here's your hand. Uh, each each of these digits on your, on, your, on your, what do you call this, a hand, um, is a way, a different way of reading the Bible. Okay? So start with your pinky. Show me your pinky. The pinky is hearing the word of God. Okay, what are you doing right now? You're hearing the word of God through a message. Okay? But that's with the pinky. All right. Now show me your ring finger, your ring finger right here. Okay, the ring finger is when you go home and you read the Bible on your own. You just read it, kind of like I was saying about the dead book, but you're, you're just reading it. You're reading the Bible. Okay, now what I want you to do is I want you to try to hold your Bible with your ring finger and your pinky finger and see if you can go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. Okay, now I want you to show the next person that uh, you can do it. And then I want the next person to go ahead and just grab it from you. But you, you try not to let them grab it from you. Yeah. Some dropped it right there, and no one's even grabbing it from him. You know, there you go, either grabbing it, grabbing it. Here's uh, Caitlin. Here's, 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 here's Will. Can you do it with? No, you're, trying, you're holding it with just the ring finger and the pinky finger. Boom, just like that. You see that? Is that Will's strength or is that my strength? I don't know. Okay, now here's the thing. Here's the point. It's really hard just to grip and hold and, and have the Word of God abide with you if you're just using your ring finger and your pinky finger. But here's the thing, for most of us, those are our only means of reading the Bible. And can I say, well, it's no wonder that it's not really abiding in you. What you really need is the middle finger and the index finger and the thumb. You need it desperately. What are those? Now, let me, what do you mean by this person trying to grab the Bible from you? When does that happen? Well, on Monday, there's so many distractions. 
And the evil one is there. Of course, this world is trying to grab that Bible from you. Of course it's happening. And if you just have your pinky and your ring finger, it's kind of hard to hold on to that. So you need more. Okay, now be careful with this next one. It's the middle finger. Be careful what you do with that one. Okay, the middle finger is you study the word of God. Let me hear you guys say study. Okay, now the, 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 the index finger is memorizing the word of God. Let me hear you guys say memorize. And the thumb is meditation. Let me hear you guys say meditate. Okay, but here's the thing. If you really want to abide, have, it, have staying power in your life, then you need to grasp it with all five fingers, right? So you need the study, and you need the memorization, and you need the meditation. Because that word is meant to be abiding, and you're going to read it differently. You guys can go ahead and sit down. Thank you so much for doing that with me. Okay, so uh, let's do all the points one more time. The word of God is of great value. Thank you. Um, the word of God is imperishable. Seed, good. The word of God is, the first adjective, living. And the word of God is, okay, last one. Last one. Let me, let me read it from the scripture. Here we go. So, put away all malice. Uh, in this next piece, Peter's going to say no to a bunch of things. Um, so, put away all malice. That's like, that's like ill will towards another person. All deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. That's speaking unkindly about another person. Okay, so here is Peter. He's saying no to a lot of things, and that's very understandable. We're not going to go too much into that, um, but here he is saying no to a lot of things. Now, I've been told that as a parent, you don't want to keep on saying no to a lot of things. You want to say yes. You want to give a better alternative, right? Okay, well, look at this verse. What's the better alternative? He is saying a big yes. He's saying like newborn infants, Long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Into, I like how Calvin said it um, several weeks ago, that you may grow up in this journey towards salvation. That you may grow up in respect to salvation. But look at that word long. Like newborn infants long. Like, oh, I want that. Long for the pure spiritual milk. Look at verse 3. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. What's the implication there? It's like Peter is saying, look, if you have tasted, you know, like experiential, if you've tasted that God is good, like you heard the story that's in here and it touched you, it's like Peter is saying, you know what happens next? You know what that produces? You want to grow in God's word. You're like, I need it. I want it. I so want it. I love it. Do you love God's word like that? Like a newborn infant craving for milk. Is that what you're loving? Is that what you're into? Is that what you love to talk about? When you come to home group, it's like, man, let's get into God's word. When you come to the church, if I just gave topical messages about, like, sex and dating, would you be happy? Or would some of you come up to me, hey, where is God's word? I'm hungry for God's word. When we hang out, you know, and we do lunches, you guys ever talk about God's word? Is that something you're passionate about? 
Are you into it? If it's inside you, you know, I've heard this, I've heard this, you know, you know what was inside Jesus? When, when he was on the cross, he was, what was he, what was he praying? Well, he was sharing God's word because it was inside him. You pricked him and he would bleed God's word. Is that you? Do you long for God's word? Because if you've tasted that he's good, you would be like, oh, if I've tasted that an experience of God, you know what I want? And Peter's like, it's not more experiences. You want God's word. And so God's word is what the people of God long for. They want it. I, I will forever uh, remember the story that Raina shared about her mom. M- my, my wife is beautiful on the outside and on the inside, and it's pretty clear which one of us got a better deal. You guys can say amen because I know you're thinking it. I, I got a pretty good deal with my wife. It's not a deal, by the way. I don't know why I said deal. But, but, but here's the thing. My wife loves God's word. And sometimes I wonder because I, I, I partly love God's word because I went to seminary and they opened it up. It's like, ooh, that's really But she didn't really go to seminary. So part of me wonders, like, how did she get it inside her? How did, why does she love God's word? And I was thinking about this. And apparently if you have experienced God, it just happens but if, if you're looking for, like, practical reasons, I think I might have a good practical reason. I think it has a lot to do with her mom. Now, this is the story that she shared uh, with you a couple of years ago. And uh, it was a very sticky story, and it means a lot to us. But, but mom was into her 40s when Raina was in college. And Raina was, was in a college fellowship. And in the fellowship, they were teaching the leaders how to study the Bible. And mom was visiting uh, Raina, and she was living with Raina for a while. And she heard about this, and she had become a Christian several years ago. And she was hungry for God's word. And when she heard that the leaders were talking about how to study the Bible, she was invited. And she wanted to go. And so she went to this leaders' meeting where they were studying the Bible without Raina. Raina wasn't there. Mom was there. Mom's really shy. That's not really her thing. But she was there with a bunch of teenagers, you know, and, and people in their 20s. And they're all, st- and here's this woman in her 40s. She doesn't belong. She didn't care. She's really shy, but she's hungry. You know what she wanted? She wanted God's word. That's what I think um, has shaped who my wife is and how, why she loves God's word. I think it has a lot to do with mom. Tell you another story. Um, I, I, I shared this story maybe a, a little a little um, while ago, uh, but it comes from oh, this man right here. Um, uh, that's brother bro, brother Yoon. Uh, he wrote an autobiography called The Heavenly Man. I, I read it. I loved it. But he shared this one story because he grew up during the Cultural Revolution, and during the Cultural Revolution. The government felt that all people should be atheists. So they took whatever Bibles they had in the land and they just destroyed them. They burned them, I guess. So there was not a Bible in the entire country. And that's, that's, um, that was sort of the, the, the setting where Brother Young grew up. And when he became a Christian and he experienced the goodness of God, naturally he was craving for the spiritual milk. He wanted a Bible. But there was no Bible in the land to find. And so he's talking to his mom one day. He's like, Mom, where can I get a Bible? She says, there's not a Bible in the entire country, son. He says, Mom, what does it look like? She goes, I don't know. I've never seen one. He's like, Mom, I really want a Bible. 
And then an idea came to her. There was a man in another village. It was a long ways off. You could, you could, but that man used to be a pastor. I think he was, he was still a pastor at the time. He probably has a Bible. So the next day, they make this trek. They go all the way to another village together. They find the man. They say, I think you have a Bible. My son wants to see it. Can you just see your Bible? Now, the old man, when he heard that they were looking for a Bible, he was freaked out because he spent 20 years in prison. And you're not supposed to have a Bible. And so he sort of had one, but he wasn't willing to let them see it. So, but he says to the kid, he says to the brother, he says, look, if you really want a Bible, it's a heavenly book. What you have to do is you have to ask your heavenly father for one. You've got to really ask. So go home and ask. So Brother Yun went home, and that's what he did. He said, God, I really want a Bible. Please help me get a Bible. Amen. Because he didn't really know how to pray. Actually, that's a, that's a pretty good prayer. <laughs> and then he waited, and there's no Bible that came. So the next day, he prayed the prayer again. God, I really want a Bible. Please give me a Bible. Amen. And then he, wait, and then he prayed the prayer for over a month, and there was no Bible. So he went to go see the, the old man again. And he said, you asked me to pray for my heart. I prayed every day for a Bible. Mom told me you, you kind of have a Bible. Can I just see it? I promise you I won't even touch it. In fact, you can hold it open to me, and I won't even touch it. I would just look at it and then maybe jot down a few notes, but please, can I just see what it looks like? And the old man was like, no. <laughs> and then the old man said this, look, if you really want a Bible, you can't just ask. You got to fast and weep. Like, you got you to fast and weep and weep, and then God will give you a Bible. So... Brother Yun went home, and he fasted. So breakfast, he wouldn't eat anything. Lunch, he wouldn't eat anything. Dinner, he had a small bowl of rice. And this went on for several months, and he's fasting, and he's weeping, and he's like, God, I just want your word. I want your word. I love your word. I want your word. Several months went by. One day, he had a dream. At 4 a.m., he had a dream. And in this dream, he dreamed that this old man came up to him and said, son, are you hungry? He said, yeah, I'm hungry. And he gave him a bow. And that he looked at that bow, and he took it to his mouth, and the bow became a Bible. And then he, he was so happy. He woke up for the dream, and he's like, where was that Bible? Because it was so vivid. And he starts looking around his house for the Bible, but he can't find it. And it's 4 a.m., so he wakes up his parents, and his parents are, what are you doing? I'm looking for the Bible. It was, and he tells them the dream, and his parents are like, my son is going crazy, and they didn't know what to do. So they all fall on their knees. They're like, God, would you please just give my son a Bible so he doesn't go insane? And at that moment, this is according to the story, there's a knock on the door. He opens the door, and there's that old man in his dream. Do you have some bread for me? Oh, I have a bread feast. And he gives him, he gives him the word of God. Brother Yun said, he fell to his knees, he was thanking God, and he said that after that, he made this promise to the Lord that he was going to devour everything in this word like a hungry child, and everywhere he went, he was holding on to his Bible. Even when he slept, 
he would have the Bible right here on his chest and he would sleep with it. And he was devouring it like a hungry child. Is that you? Is that you? Do you realize what you have? Prophets prophesied selflessly. Apostles paid for their very lives. Angels longed to look into what is in this book of great value. This is imperishable seed. If you want to live an incredible life, you need this in your heart and in your mind. The Bible is living. You don't read it like a dead book. You, you, you pray as you read it. And you use all five of the digits of your hand to grip it into your life so it's abiding. And you long for God's treasure in this word that has a story of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. Let's pray. Father, I pray that there would be many of us here today who would leave this place and say, you know, it's been a while since I've invested in God's word. I'm going to uh, invest in 1 Peter. And I pray that there will be people here who have never really read like the, your Bible, and I pray that they would read it for the first time. I hope they would start with something like the Gospel of Mark or one of the Gospels. Father, there is so much power in your word, and we want to grow strong people who love you. And so I pray, Father, that you would compel and invite many people to make a great investment in your word. In Jesus' name I pray.